0: to the wellness wave podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Locke. And my goal is to help you help yourself unlock your full potential for receiving abundance and success. Every Monday, jumpstart your week by empowering yourself with knowledge and advice about wellness and personal growth, biohacking and habit stacking, manifestation and nervous system regulation, and so much more. And remember that slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. Wellness is a lifestyle and a movement to create a world full of people who feel safe, strong, and loved. And practicing good wellness habits can have a ripple effect on those you surround yourself with. So with that, let's create waves. Hello, hello, beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode. I know I'm releasing this a couple of days later than I usually would, I apologize for that, but thank you for your patience. I just want to say thank you so much to all the people who listened to last week's episode. If you have not listened to it, go check it out. It is all about instant gratification and delayed gratification and how that is the key to the success. My listens jumped up quite a bit, and I am very appreciative and just excited to see our little community growing here. It is really exciting to me. You know what it is. We got to start off with the spill the tea section because I am constantly making a mess, but the good thing is I know how to clean up after myself. In this segment, I share what's been going on in my life, what I'm drinking, all that good stuff. So today, I am drinking my beautiful concoction that I love to make especially when I am taking a break from caffeine. It is ceremonial cacao, maca, ashwagandha, honey and rose tea ceremonial cacao if you don't know is pretty incredible the cacao tree it comes from south america and cacao has been used for religious rituals for ancient native mesoamerican cultures and within latin america for millennia it's pretty cool stuff it was a part of marriage ceremonies, um, used to lift spirits to gods during sacrifice. Hopefully it's not being used for that anymore, as well as baptism ceremonies and was also used to send warriors off into battle. So it's pretty important. It's got a huge place in a lot of Aztec and Mayan mythology, but it to this day has a lot of amazing, incredible, wonderful benefits. It's got pretty dense nutritional value. It's full of potassium. I don't know why I said that so weird. Potassium, iron, zinc, and magnesium. It triggers release of endorphins and dopamine. So it's helpful with PMS, depression, pain, and stress. It's really high in antioxidants. It's been used as an aphrodisiac. There's a reason that chocolate is kind of like the love drug candy. It's given at Valentine's Day. It's very heart opening, will help you feel spiritually strong, but light. It is very powerful for healing and opening the heart chakra, which is at the center of the chakras. So it's the bridge between the upper and the lower chakras. Helps us feel really connected to the world around us, less lonely and isolated. Helps us feel more creative and open and in flow. And in that same lane, it is helpful for opening the throat chakra. So that is helpful for articulating our ideas and creativity and it's also beneficial for clearing the pineal gland. So you can see there's a lot of benefits here. And the theobromine in it is what acts as the stimulant effect. So it's not caffeine, it's a little different. It's like caffeine, but without the jitters and the nervous system disruption effects. So that is my base. I chop up some lovely cacao from Cacao Laboratories. Pretty, pretty good stuff. First discovered from this creator. I love Caro Arevalo. I don't know if I pronounced her last name right. Hopefully I did. I think I've mentioned her in the podcast before, but she's an incredible artist and YouTube content creator. So definitely go check her out. And Florencia Friedman, I believe is the creator of Cacao Laboratories. So check her out too. So in with my cacao, I mix maca, first of all which is a Peruvian root vegetable. This is great for balancing hormone levels, also helpful with PMS. I am in desperate need of that right now, you guys. Um, It can be really good for conditions like PCOS as well. It's high in vitamin C, iron, potassium, and copper. It is known to be really good for sexual function, libido, also combating fatigue and reducing inflammation. And then I add in some ashwagandha, which is another root that grows in Middle East, India, and parts of Africa. And this is kind of like the superfood root. You've likely heard of it before. Can also really help with conditions such as PCOS, period cramps, anxiety, fertility, thyroid issues. It's just kind of all around the magical cure all. It controls cortisol levels and fatigue, it alleviates tension. There are tons of phytochemicals in there that reduce inflammation and improve cognitive function and focus. And there's even some, some, some evidence suggesting that it can help treat cancer, which is pretty cool. It increases oxygen levels in the body, regulates blood sugar, soothes dry skin. It just kind of does everything. It's pretty impressive. So I put some of that in there. And then I just put a little bit of honey because, you know, honey is good for the mind, body, and soul. Liquid gold, antibacterial, antifungal, all that good stuff. Honey is one of my favorite things. And I also is like one of the only products that I use on my skin nowadays. And I feel like it's really helped with my complexion and the skin barrier. But anyways, I also, to top it off, you have been using Siberian Rose Tea, which beautifully works together with the cacao. It's also great for hydration, rich in antioxidants. We're really getting a good antioxidant bath with this drink. There are also phenols that are good for your urinary tract, eye health, memory, and skin health. So overall, we've got a good little soup here. (laughs) Good soup. Okay, that was a whole mouthful. I feel like I'm running out of breath because I'm just talking and not taking deep breaths in between my words. So I'm going to slow down just a little bit here. Anyways, if you've listened to my previous episodes, you may know that I have a severe fire ant allergy that I discovered in summer 2021 while working as a camp counselor at a nature preserve. It was, as you may imagine, quite traumatic for me because prior to that, I had had a very intimate relationship with nature, but this made it quite challenging for me to move forward feeling comfortable outdoors. So this has led to a range of emotions that I've experienced ever since this event. Depression being a big one, just feeling like I won't be able to reach a lot of the goals that I had for myself such as having a big, beautiful garden when I have a home one day and backpacking, doing all these things in nature. But I'm going to get to why I don't think that I have to to avoid those things in just a second. Um, and then also just anxiety for being outdoors in general. But this past weekend, I took a really massive step forward and I went camping it was cold outside, as you may imagine. It was in the, um, the Blue Ridge Mountains, or really the North Georgia Mountains. Um, and it was very cold, so there were not a lot of bugs out, fortunately. So it was a really nice step into getting back into that, that world, because like, I used to love camping and backpacking and spending time outside for hours and hours on end. Um, so I'm really proud of myself for doing that. A few weeks ago, my therapist and I were talking about perceived threats. I obviously watch a lot of mental health-related content, both for myself and to teach you guys, and this is an idea that I've continuously come across. If you have anxiety or struggle with anxiety on a regular basis, this may sound familiar to you, but Basically the way the brain works is we or the way anxiety works is the amygdala, which is part of the limbic system, the mammalian brain, becomes really hypersensitive to stimuli and you start to require less threatening things to trigger a fear response over time. So like trauma can be a big, a big trigger for the amygdala getting like overworked and and overstressed and becoming really hypersensitive, Um, and so basically we end up perceiving threats that aren't actual threats, and that can keep us stuck in a state of chronic stress, chronic fight or flight, etc. So every time I see a video on overcoming this tendency to jump into fight or flight, I would just think to myself, okay, but what happens if I'm in the face of a real threat that is putting my life in danger? Because fire ants, anaphylaxis, et cetera, like that's a real threat to me. This can be applied to a variety of situations if you have some kind of chronic health condition. So I asked my therapist about this, and she made a really great point that even though there is potential for fire ants to be a real threat to me, As long as I have a plan of action and am prepared, there isn't really a threat. It's more of just an inconvenience. Yeah, it could be scary, um, especially for the people around me if they don't know what's going on, but that's why it's really important when you have a condition like this to communicate with the people around you, have a plan of action with your doctor, and feel really prepared and have run through a scenario enough times in your mind that you know exactly how you would react in the face of that danger. Another thing I've been learning about and talking with, about with my therapist is avoidance, which actually feeds disordered anxiety. There are physical and emotional avoidances, but when you avoid something that you're afraid of, your world really starts to shrink, become small and scary and generally unhappy. Every time you get anxious and avoid something and then survive, you reinforce that anxiety cycle. However, by facing what scares you, you can tell yourself that not in all situations with XYZ, for me, not all situations where I'm outdoors are dangerous, so I don't need to feel anxious all the time. This will change your brain chemistry over time because there will become less cortisol and adrenaline and stress hormones released. So really, there is truth in the fact that the best way to overcome anxiety is to face your fears. So with that, I'm going to end this build the Tea segment. I know that was a little long-winded, but now we are ready to get into the topic of today's podcast. So speaking of my therapist, brings me... Around to the focus, which is that you are good enough. I'm currently seeing my therapist again. As of a few weeks ago, I initially started seeing her during a really difficult period of my life. I was 18. I was in an incredibly toxic relationship with a narcissist. Fear not, I will be doing an episode on this and just dealing with narcissists in general at some point in the future. I'm not sure when, because honestly, I still feel like there's a lot of trauma stored in my body from this experience in my life, and there's also just a lot of embarrassment and shame and fear around talking about this person. I don't so much have an issue talking about it with people face-to-face, but just putting it out there on the internet is a little iffy to me. I also just don't know where they're at in life now, but I'm pretty sure that they're a heavy drug user, and something tells me they're quite irrational. But I don't know. I honestly brought a lot of toxicity into that relationship as well. So that's something I just got to percolate on, like let percolate, think about it a little bit more before I, before I talk about it on the podcast. But it is going to come. So stay tuned if you would like that tea. But I started seeing my current therapist at this point. It was probably like six years ago now, which is crazy to think about. But I worked with her for several years. Then I took a break for a few years, but now I'm seeing her again. What's interesting to me is I've absolutely grown and evolved so much as a person, but a lot of the blockages and mindset shifts we're working on are pretty much the same with everything centering back on not feeling good enough. I see her virtually now, but I used to see her in her office, and she had this really basic print that said, good enough, in cursive letters just behind her head. It always drew my attention, and we somehow always came back to it. And it's kind of the same thing now. We somehow, somehow the conversation always comes back to feeling good enough in the present moment and not feeling like there's so much pressure to be doing something more than just existing in the here and now. I grew up in, you know, as a stereotypical honor student. Literally, I was a board scholar in fifth grade. I was one out of five kids who was chosen from hundreds of kids in my school to like represent our school and for the state. I don't know. It was it was a whole thing. But that's the point I'm making is that I was like the top tier, quote unquote, student um, in terms of academics and and uh, extracurriculars and all that jazz. And I, so I always had really high grades, and I didn't have to try too hard, but I also just really loved learning and thinking and analyzing. I still definitely do that part to the point that it can actually be problematic. So that's something my therapist and I are working on, just not letting my brain overthink so much. I'll get a little deeper into that in a second here. But so as I grew older, and things stopped coming as easily, especially once I got up into college because that's just natural. You know, when you get to that point in life and you're really trying to learn and hone in on a craft or a skill, it does take more work and more effort. But I found myself getting really frustrated with myself and impatient and irritated that I just wasn't able to pick up on things as quickly as I once had um so I had to I had to work harder to see the rewards and that would create this sense of inc- discouragement. I went to a really rigorous private school in middle and high school It was very competitive everyone was really smart and talented and most of the families also had a lot of money and the whole mentality of the school, the whole philosophy behind the school was just talking about like building a better future and you know, focusing so much on the things that were yet to come instead of focusing on the present moment and just feeling good now. And I think most of us grew up in environments like this that did not support and encourage simply existing and being. We're constantly having to audition or try out or trying to get on the honors list or we're trying to do yada, 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 all of these things that turn into this this competitive atmosphere where we are trying to be better than our peers. And that can be really toxic and also cause students who don't know any better to place a lot of unnecessary pressure and stress on themselves. When you're young and your body can handle it, you might be pulling all-nighters to be able to do all of the extracurriculars so that you can have a good college resume And still get good grades in the AP and honors classes. It's honestly kind of insane reflecting on like what was expected as of us to get into these top tier schools because of this these environments that we grew up in this pressure that was either placed on us by ourselves or by our teachers or parents. A lot of us have developed this feeling, this mentality that we just simply are not good enough, that we are not worthy of success. We're not worthy of good relationships. We're not worthy of a good job where we are treated res- with respect. We're not good enough to excel. And we develop this voice in our head that is really mean and harsh and negative. And a lot of the times we don't even realize how horribly we're talking to ourselves. We don't realize that the way that we are speaking to ourselves, we would cringe and be horrified if somebody said something like what our brain is saying to ourselves to one of our loved ones. The good news is that the first step is creating that awareness that we're constantly getting trapped in this cycle that we aren't good enough. We recognize the harsh language that we frequently use to talk to and about ourselves. It might not feel like it, but just by recognizing that, you're already massively progressing on in this process of feeling good enough and cultivating the self-worth that will really help you exponentially grow in all areas of your life. Some people are stuck subconsciously not feeling good enough. They aren't even at a place where they're ready to take the necessary steps To make that mindset shift for whatever reason. Again, like maybe because they literally just aren't even aware that they're doing it. Or they simply may not believe that it's possible. And you may be feeling that way right now, but I promise you it is. Science is showing us what our incredible brains are capable of through neuroplasticity. We can completely reroute our neural pathways and habits. Our thinking habits, that is, and well, any kind of habit, but I'm specifically talking about the habit of where our brain goes in response to a certain stimuli or thought or something that somebody says to us, et cetera. It just takes time, patience, and some consistent work. Consistency really is key here. And at first, there's a chance you're going to be bad at it. You're going to be bad at having positive conversations with yourself. I just started taking a ceramics class which is something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time but I am pretty terrible. If you if you've taken a ceramics class before as a newbie, you probably know it's very there's definitely a big learning curve, but I think it's so important for us to try new things and be bad at new things because if you aren't willing to be a fool, then you'll never be a master. So that's kind of what I'm going for and where I'm going at with this idea of talking to ourselves with more kindness because it may feel really awkward and uncomfortable at first. You may feel really dumb. Like you're not going to want to look in the mirror and tell yourself, that person deserves worthiness. That person deserves success. I deserve that, those things. It may feel stupid, right? Right. But that's where I'm saying the consistency here is key. The patience, giving yourself time, you know, not being afraid of feeling like a dumbass. (laughs) The majority of people have this intrinsic belief that there is one logical path to change. You go from thinking to doing to being. Thinking first, of course, is incredibly beneficial in many cases. For example, if you are about to attempt to do something potentially dangerous, it's really good to slow down and think. After all, slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. But the problem that I have personally experienced myself is a lot of us get stuck in the thinking phase until we're overthinking We are spiraling down into a rabbit hole, and then we're feeling overwhelmed and resort to not taking any action at all. So we're right back to where we started, if not one step backwards. I challenge you to approach this three-step series from a different perspective and actually reverse the process. So instead of thinking, how do I do something in a safe and methodical way, be the person who approaches problems safely and methodically. How would you do things when embodying that identity? We need to choose an identity, embody that identity, and everything will flow from there. This sounds a lot more challenging than it is. Imagine your life as a video game, because it literally is. You've got the controls and you wake up each day and select a new avatar. You literally... Make a game out of it and don't take it too seriously. And if you do feel like you're starting to take it seriously, this is a good opportunity to kind of recenter, refocus. It's like a meditation. Like when your minds and your thoughts start to drift away, you just very gently and softly refocus on your breath or some visual, whatever it is that your your point of focus is. So I challenge you. For just one day, or even just one hour if a full day feels overwhelming, to embody the version of yourself who feels good enough in her or his own skin. What actions would that person take? How would they move throughout their day? When I embody the version of me who feels good enough, I value my body and therefore I nourish myself, but I don't beat myself up when I take a day off to enjoy being a vegetable. I don't overanalyze my work performance and beat myself up for not being better or making more money or freak out because I think my boss hates me. (laughs) I feel satisfied with my home, my relationships, especially the mundane aspects of daily life like making the bed or doing the dishes. My thinking reflects that. I feel good when the house is mostly clean, but If there's a pile of laundry I've been ignoring because I have different priorities, that's no big deal. It's not, you know, it's not something that I have to micromanage because I know that the situation I have is good enough. I don't have to be perfect in order to be valuable. Also, I don't let it ruin my day when my partner and I argue because I love him and our relationship is good enough. Now, that's not to say that you should let toxicity go unnoticed or just brush off people actually being like mean and horrible, but like everybody has bad days. If you're in a healthy relationship, it is totally normal for you to have arguments and disagreements, but that doesn't mean that the relationship is bad, so you really have to to be careful about what your expectations are, right? I find visualization and meditation really wonderful for achieving this existence of being good enough. Listen. Visualization for future manifestations and desires that at the moment may seem a little bit out of reach Are really important and valuable. You should definitely do them. But the problem that I kept running into, and I think a lot of people run into, is these practices on their own can actually leave you stuck in a lack mentality because you're making this connection in your brain that the things that will make you happy and help you feel successful are things that you don't currently have. That therefore leaves you feeling like. You and your life are not good enough. So, do your visualization, write down your manifestations, do what you've got to do. But then you need to not forget this crucial step if you're going to do those things. We need to magnify and focus in on the present. It's going to take a little bit longer to do your practice, but if you have time, I'd really recommend this. So, start with, like I said, the bigger longer big picture manifestation, the desires that if you told them to somebody with a lot of limiting beliefs, they might look at you and roll their eyes and think you were crazy, right? So let's start with those visualizations. But then after that, I want you to stay in the mindset of the person who has all of these incredible things, who has the big house, who has the amazing relationship, who gets to travel and has financial freedom and just whatever it is that you want to manifest. Stay in the mindset of the of the version of you that has those things. But then I want you to visualize how that person would feel and make use of their day if they were to wake up tomorrow morning In your situation. So I want you to visualize being that person and feeling that way, but in your current circumstances. So you don't have anything new. You're not doing anything new. You're just being this new version of you, right? So for me, I try to do this before I go to bed where I will close my eyes and I will visualize tomorrow morning waking up and doing my little morning routine, getting to work sitting down, feeling excited about the projects that I'm working on, and visualize just being the person who loves doing all of those things. And I find that it really helps me to feel gratitude for my my circumstances and my environment. Imagining and visualizing things such as just like cuddling with your partner or your pets or doing the dishes and cooking a nice meal Things that are seemingly simple and mundane, but they are a part of your everyday life, and they're going to continue being a part of your everyday life, even when you have all the nice, fancy new things. So, the important thing is that we are leaning into the present moment and not getting sucked away by some unattainable thing that does not exist in the future. Because I guarantee you that if you're not doing this practice now, and feeling good enough where you are at now, then you're not gonna feel good enough where you're at when you have all of the nice fancy things, right? Huge ambition and goals can be really great because they serve as a target that we can use to build our systems, but these are also the cause of suffering and anguish in a lot of cases. We may just not reach our goals possibly because our goals simply evolve or change as we evolve, but in other cases we reach our goals and what happens We get a temporary hit of dopamine, but then we find we're still unhappy and we're still unsatisfied. So this excessive hope and unrealistic expectations and perfectionism lead us to just not feeling good enough. And that's just going to keep happening until you shift how you perceive the present reality, not how you're thinking about how life is going to be different when you have X, Y, and Z what you have right now and how it is making you feel grateful and you feel fulfilled and satisfied with what you have. The real goal here should be to escape from these dangerous ideals we set for ourselves. We are constantly presented with chances to compare ourselves to others, right? Media and marketing are constantly feeding on our insecurities in really, really sneaky ways nowadays, and then using those insecurities as bait to get us to give them our money, it's pretty repulsive, right? <laughs> and that's coming from somebody who works in marketing. Really, really try to not to not approach it from that perspective. But you know, there's we're trying to find solutions to problems, right? That's what business is. But through all of this, there's this suggestion of an ideal and that anything less than that is considered bad. But there really is not a realis- realistic ideal version of you. Comparison really is the root of all unhappiness, right? Plus, I think if we had already reached that realistic ideal version of ourselves, we would that means we would have already reached our peak. And that would be kind of boring and kind of sad because we'd have nowhere to go from there. It's true that we can always have more. We can always have bigger and better. But when we do this and are constantly trying to reach something greater because we're unhappy with where we're currently at, it causes us to miss a lot of the beauty in our lives. And it can actually lead to physical health problems because we're just stressed and we feel like there's there's not enough in our lives to bring us, to bring us joy and happiness. But perfection is a myth. Progress is where the magic happens. And all that really matters is the here and now. So don't let yourself get stuck in the past or your future. And remember that you are just as worthy as anybody else. You're just as worthy as Kim Kardashian or like whatever Instagram model just popped up on your feed. You're just as beautiful, you're just as intelligent, and you have so much value, and your mistakes and your weaknesses don't define you. I feel slightly like a hypocrite talking about all of this because I get sucked into this not good enough thinking all the time. Like I said, this is a big thing I'm working on with my therapist. I'm obviously working to become a content creator, and I've gotten sucked into tying my self-worth to my appearance and to a lot of just different little things. Like, I don't have cool enough stuff. I don't have a nice enough apartment. I don't have dramatic, defined arched eyebrows or tan skin or big lips or thick, long hair. Just these stereotypical features that the media has fed to us is like, this is what defines beauty. So then I'll start saying bad thoughts to myself. Recently, the breakthrough that I've had is I've gotten a lot better at noticing when I start talking badly to myself, but I realized that when I did notice it, I was really aggressively jerking my attention back to more positive things. Like I'd have a thought and then mid-thought, I'd be like, no, 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 no. We've got to think happy thoughts, good thoughts, positivity, instead of like letting the thought finish and then really gently moving my attention back to self-love and self-worth. I think that's really important that we make, make that a priority when we're shifting our mindset to do things gently and slowly with care and not with like a whip, you know what I mean? So I talked about visualization and like a meditation kind of exercise to help make this shift a, a constant in your daily life and to, to, kind of slowly shift your mindset over time, but there are plenty of other ways to get there if that doesn't resonate with you. You can do some shadow work. So this might involve diving into a deeper reflection of why you don't feel good enough. So asking yourself questions such as, who taught me this? Why did I start believing this about myself? You know, Did I see this somewhere in my life growing up or construct an idea that I needed to be a certain way to have a certain thing and, and like be valuable. You can also try writing a love letter to yourself. I love doing this as, you know, maybe like a future future you to past you, just talking about how thankful you are for the mindset that you have and all of the beautiful qualities you had that brought you to where you will be. And that's kind of like a two-in-one manifestation and good enough exercise. I don't know. I think we all really are just working on becoming artists of existing here. We need to focus in on the present more. I think that's... Modern modern society has made so many of us think that where we're at is not good enough. And it is hard because sometimes you, you need more money or you need to be able to pay for groceries. You need to be able to feed your family. And times get tough. I get it. I mean... I'm lucky enough that I have a family who can help me if I need it. But moving out and trying to figure out how to be an adult in this world, it's difficult. And if you're in that point point in your life, I feel for you because... It's definitely an interesting navigation, that's for sure. But I really believe that no matter what your circumstances are, chances are you have things to be grateful for, you have positivity in your life that you can focus your attention on, whether it's your loved ones or a nice homemade cooked meal or for me, like my ceramics class that I'm taking now, I love it. I've never loved being bad at something so much before. It's pretty great. But once again, just a really solid reminder that you are good enough. Your life, is good enough where it's at. Yes, of course, there's always room for growth, but that doesn't need to necessarily be the focus. And if you are focusing on growing, focus on growing, but also focus on how amazing it feels to be in the here and now. It really is more about the journey than the destination. And if you're having a bad day, just remember that it's not permanent. That there's a good day just around the corner. And if you're having a good day, remember it's not permanent because there's a bad day just around the corner. It's all going to be okay. And you have value. Your life is so full of joy. You just need to put on the glasses to see it. Or maybe a better analogy would be to take off the glasses that are Casting a shadow on everything. Getting my notes and thoughts collected for this episode was honestly really healing for me, I believe. And I hope that listening to this brought you some sort of epiphany, revelation, or even just a little comfort on a hard day, or a little just further boost of motivation if you're having a good day. I am going to leave you with that. I hope you have a beautiful holiday practice some good gratitude this week and I will see you in next week's episode thank you so much for joining me this week in the safe space of the wellness wave podcast If you would like to support me and my show, I would be so grateful if you left a Spotify or iTunes review, followed me on my social channels at Sock Sounds or at the Wellness Wave Pod, or shared with a friend or family member who you know would infinitely benefit from listening. Until next Monday, have a beautiful week with the intention of creating waves.